Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. Maddie was a little girl. I, um, well, she loved sweets for one thing. And so I would dish out some ice cream and, and I'd start to hand her the bowl and she'd say, um, no, I want a little bit more. And I'd say, okay. And I'd give her just a little bit more. And then I'd hand her the bowl and she'd say, I just want a little bit more. And I'd give her a little bit more. And, you know, you start to fake it, but they know you're faking it. So you just kind of barely do it. And they, they are looking over, you know, trying to see above the counter like this. I want a little bit more. And then I would say, Maddie, that's just too much. That's just really too much. And so the next time she asked for ice cream, I said, okay. And she said, um, I want ice cream and I want too much. Because <laughs> I kept saying, this is just too much. It's too much. It's too much. So she said, you know, why waste your time with a little bit more? Just say, and I want too much. And so you know that that is actually what God wants us to do when we pray. He doesn't want us to come to him begging I mean, he wants to come, us to come to him boldly before the throne of grace saying, God, I want too much. And God, you know, I want to give it away. I want to give it away. I, I, I have loved having too much of certain things because I love giving things away. And that's really the heart of God is to just give you too much. And, you know, sometimes tradition will tell us, oh, no, no, don't pray like that. Just say, Whatever it takes to get me squeaking by. Well, if we're all squeaking by, then how are we going to support missionaries? And how are we going to give? And, and I'm not just talking materially. I'm talking about uh, give me too much when it comes to family and love. Give me too much. See, because you can't give away something you don't have. And so it's okay to say give me too many friends. Give me too much. And, and so I learned from Maddie. I also learned when she was little about faith because after I told her, I don't think I finished the story, after I told her about praying for something and then after we finished praying for whatever it was, she, she goes, yay, yay, and she started jumping up and down, yay. And I said, Maddie, what are you doing? She goes, well, I'm praising God because he's going to do it. He's, he's going to do it. We just prayed and he's going to do it. And that is faith. And faith will get you through a lot. You know, if you believe you're going to get better, if you believe things are going to get better, if you believe you're going to be delivered, you will get through the days where you don't see anything good happening. If you know that you're the righteous, if you know you're forgiven in Christ, like we talked about last week, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord God delivereth him out of them all. And I love it that the word doesn't say some. Because we say some. You know, some he'll deliver you out of and some he won't. And no, 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 no. All. In this life, we're going to have to go through things, but the key word is through. And so see yourself on the other side. That is faith. To see yourself on the other side of it. And to, and to say, yes, God, thank you. That's faith. To be an adult is to be like, well, I'll, 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 I'll believe it when I see it. And that's it. Well, that's the opposite of faith, which is, what? Can someone tell me what faith is in Hebrews 11.1? 1? Yep. It's the things hoped for and not seen. Perfect. I like, I like that version. You get a piece. You get a cake. Get the whole cake. You get too much. Y'all are like, when are we going to get started? Okay. 
We're going to start with a joke because I want to. Um, Let's see. I hope I don't offend anybody because then Ken has more work to do. As a senior citizen was driving down the freeway, his car phone rang, and he heard his wife's voice urgently warning him, Herman, I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way on Interstate 77. Please be careful. Heck, said Herman, it's not just one car, it's hundreds of them. Three sisters, ages 92, 94, and 96, live in a house together, and one night the 96-year-old draws a bath, and she puts her foot in and pauses, and she yells to the other sisters, was I getting in or out of the bath? And the 94-year-old yells back, I don't know, I'll come up and see. And she starts up the stairs and pauses, was I going up the stairs or down? The 92-year-old is sitting in the kitchen table having tea, listening to her sisters, and she shakes her head and says, I sure hope I never get that forgetful. Knock on wood. And she knocks. And then she yells, I'll come up and help you both as soon as I answer the door. <laughs> okay, can we stand one more? No, we, we, got it. we can't do any more elderly jokes. You know what I will say, though? I've been teasing Lacey about the way he sneezes. And poor thing, he has endured so much abuse. Um, but actually, he... But I, I just realized there, there's so many reasons that women have babies and not men. There's just so many. But one of them is because men are just big babies when it comes to pain. Oh, my gosh. And I realized, you know, the way Lacey sneezes, and I'm sorry, honey, but it's like, first of all, we all know he's going to sneeze because he goes like that. And then he kind of crouches down, and then he goes, <laughs> you know, and then he gets the Kleenex and, and, and he goes lots of times, man. And sometimes he'll even like limp out of the room <laughs> from a sneeze. And so I was just comparing that to the way my friends sneeze, you know, like my girlfriends. And a lot of times when they sneeze, they'll go, achoo, achoo. And then girls are like, um, excuse me, pardon me, I'm sorry. You know, and guys are almost like, okay, is somebody going to bless me? Because I almost <laughs> died here. I almost died and no one blessed me. And women are like, I'm so sorry. Did I get it on you? I hope not, you know. So that's just what I was observing this morning. And thankfully I don't get in trouble for these things because Lacey thinks that life should be lived in joy. And I do too. And we all need more joy. We all need to get our eyes off of what we're going through. Um, so often when you're going through something if you'll just stop working on your own problem and help somebody with theirs, oftentimes God will do miracles on your own problem. And all of a sudden you're joyful and you're happy because he sets it up that way oftentimes that we can't help ourselves, but we can help someone else and then someone else can help us. And if we'll just seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to us. And I I have to remind myself of that every every single day, and to have an expectant heart. When you're sitting here right now, you know, not just a heart of, okay, I'm going to hear the word and I'm going to change, but a heart of like, you know, Kathleen, let, you know, let's pray Kathleen will be healed right now. Let's pray that this thing that's going on in my life will be done right now. Whatever someone else needs and perceive someone else's need. You don't need to be a prophet and know exactly what it is, but you can just know that whoever you're sitting next to has a need Pray for them.
and just have a heart of expectancy. That is faith. That is faith. The evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. We've been talking about living in the kingdom of heaven, and really everything we've been talking about just now is living in the kingdom of heaven in spite of of what you might be going through. But one point I wanted to make this Sunday, now that we're halfway through class, is that we're supposed to be strangers in this world, and we are not supposed to feel like we fit in. And we spend half of a lifetime telling people, you know, I just don't feel like I fit in here. I just, I can't, I, I just don't fit in, you know. And everyone seems happy at the party, and, and are they all faking it? Or, you know, I'm just not fitting in. And yes, you can be happy at a party, but there are times when we realize, especially after we've received Jesus our Lord, you know, where do I fit in? And we need to realize that we are to be strangers in this world. We're not supposed to be so comfortable that we never want to leave. And, you know, we're supposed to be rocked and, and, and upset about the evil around us. We're supposed to be desiring to make a difference on this earth and give God glory. And we're not supposed to be fitting in with the world. And so I wanted to read here in First Peter 1 Peter 1.1. It says that God's elect are to be strangers in the world. Peter, 1 Peter 1.17 says, Live your life as strangers here. You know, live your life as strangers here. What does that mean? Live your life as strangers here. It means you're not going to always fit in. You're not going to always look like everybody else. Well, Lacey's convinced that when I can finally get him to the mall, which is very not often, he's convinced that he can tell whether someone is from the city or the country by their hairstyle. And so every time we walk past someone, he'll go, city country, city, country, which, you know, I don't know if he's accurate or not. I mean, but he, you used to actually, though, be able to tell strangers in America, you could tell Europeans or people from other countries by their shoes. Do you remember that? And you can't now anymore. I mean, you used to be able to tell them by their shoes, or I did, or I thought I did. No one else thought they did? Okay. All right. But seriously, you can't, it's just, we're so one world now, it's really hard to tell. But we are to look different in this world. We, we are not to fit in. Um, we are to be different. And sometimes we're even to be opposite of the world. Colossians 2.8 says, See to it then that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Colossians 2.20 says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? And you know what I've talked about with teenagers? You know, my basic goal is they're already wanting to rebel. Great, let's rebel against the majority. Let's rebel against what the world is telling you. Let's rebel against what's wrong. Go ahead and rebel. Rebel against what everyone says you have to be. And take the high road, which is the narrow road, which is the unchosen road by most. And we need to realize that if God is saying don't submit to the rules of the world, we have to just realize, well, what are the rules? And what am I submitting to and what am I not submitting to? Because you know that word submit, obviously sub means under, like submarine. So what are you coming under? Sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, nobody rules me. I'm my own person. No, you know what? You're either ruled by the world 
which ends up being Satan, since he's the little god of this world, which is in the Bible, or you're ruled by your own self, which is also going to end up pride, which is also going to be ending up looking pretty much like Satan, because that's how he fell, was pride. I'm going to rule myself. I am beautiful. God, I'm your equal. Well, that's what Satan said. Or you're going to be ruled by God, but you're going to be ruled by something. And when you're ruled by God, it's, it's, it's someone who loves you and wants the best for you and created you and knows what you need and knows the deepest desires of your heart and knows what you're supposed to look like and how you're supposed to be. And I'm not talking physical. I'm talking on the inside in your life and who can take your life no matter where you are in your life and, and make it into this beautiful life because there is no time and space with God. But on top of all that, the world, I'll tell you one world rule, is it matters how you start out. That's one world rule. You have to be born on the right side of the tracks. And then if you're not, then you have to just work, 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 because then all your grades matter. And then if not, you have to just make it rich or wealthy or whatever the world's vision is for success. And with God, it matters more how you finish. Because, see, a lot of us didn't start out so great, you know. I mean, some of us did and some of us didn't. But don't be worried if you're sitting here and you're age whatever because God loves to take someone at any age and take them to a place they never thought they could ever be. And actually, even though you've chosen perhaps the wrong things, he'll take you to a better place than you could have been had you chosen the right things just depending on where your heart is. I mean, that is God. He's the God of the impossible. And so you're never too old. It's never too late. It's, never, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. That's the opposite of what the world tells you. It's how you start. And once you get off on the wrong foot, that's all there is. No, no, no. God says it's how you finish. Don't submit to the rules of the world. Um, I think one of the world's rules is some people are important and others aren't. That's a huge rule of the world. And when I see Christians acting like that, I just want to yank them up. <laughs> and say something, it it just, I can't stand it. Some people are important and some people aren't. I I was somewhere not too long ago, and um, I went in the restroom, and they had brought adults, I think they were adults, retarded adults, um, had been brought to this picnic court to, I guess, just, you know, and, and be there, get out and do some things, and... In the restroom, though, I could hear the employees talking to one another, and then I could hear the retarded adults trying to use the restroom. And the employees treated the retarded adults so ugly. It was all I could do not to physically harm. And I realized I'm not that big. I kind of looked at them, and I was like, no. Yeah, I sized it up, and I was like, all things are possible with God, but I don't want to get beat up, you know. But I did go up to the lady at Sonic because they're there often, and I said, here's my card. I want you to find out what home they're from, and I want you to call me. And I just said, I can't imagine treating. I mean, one boy um, was just harassed because he forgot to zip up. He wasn't allowed to wash his hands. He was just pushed out the door. And just it, that's the way of the world. They're not important. But other people are important. 
when I walked in, those employees said, oh, hi, I like your da-da-da-da-da. Nobody pushed me out of the restroom without being able to wash my hands. And God says, truly, you know, it would be better that a millstone be tied around your neck and you be thrown into the sea than you mistreat one of my little ones. Don't submit to the world's rules. Even in the smallest of things, there may be somebody that you really need to talk to about a business thing, but if someone else comes up to you and they obviously need someone to talk to, give it to God and talk to the person that needs someone to talk to because they're tired of people looking over their shoulder all the time looking for someone more important. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, how are you? You've already asked me that four times. You've already asked me how I am four times. You know? You could start making stuff up, you know? That's the the advice I give to teenagers. I'm like, just start making stuff up. Like, well, you know what? I... My um, my dog is blue. He turned blue last night. His teeth are purple, and, you know, he's kind of... All his teeth fell out, but I made a necklace out of it, and... Just see if anybody notices or pays attention. You know, just have fun with it. Because what are you going to do? We have entitlement. I've even done that before. I have. Even as a Christian, we have entitlement. My family's always sat here, you know. And so here comes this visiting family to the church, and they all sit where our family always sits. And it's like, where's my family going to sit? Because you're just visiting here, and we sit here. We all have that kind of entitlement. I park here. I mean, get a Christian that someone parks in your parking space, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is like, what is a Holy Spirit? You're out there going, somebody parked in my place. They need to be towed. (laughs) And we never think about, like, well, what if they needed to park in that place? Or what if they don't know the Lord, and it would be nice to meet a Christian who was kind? I mean, We have entitlement all the time. This is my chair. This is my office. This is my house. This is my pew in the church. Entitlement. And it often comes with titles. Like, you know, certain titles are more important than other titles. And um, I remember growing up, one of my friend's fathers um, was a doctor, and I would accidentally call him Mr., and he'd say, no, doctor. And I said, I'm so sorry. And I really think God was having me do it, you know, just to kind of... Anyway, I was really young, but then I, after a while, you know, thank you, Mr. So, doctor, it's doctor. And I thought, you know, later I thought, well, why does he care, you know, so much? Well, it's because that title means a lot to him. We're not to submit to the world's rules. You're not to think that you're better than someone else, ever. And if you do, and if I do, and we all slip into it, we need to ask God's forgiveness. We are no better. And we need to be able to say, there by the grace of God go I. You know? We see someone with an addiction, and maybe we don't have an addiction. And and I heard one person say, well, those people with addictions just need more willpower. No, they need more God power, and they're probably struggling with a gene that you don't have. Or they may have had some things in their life that you don't have. There by the grace of God, go I. We all have stuff that if I had a movie screen and I could show your worst moments, you would run out of here. Wait a minute, that's me. Wait, I, whoa, cover, cover the screen. And I would too. What, what, some more of the world's rules are, you know, you're supposed to work a lot on the outside of you and not the inside. 
And sometimes in, in youth groups and stuff, they're all like, just, just all about just the inside, just the inside. Well, no, it's about both because not that you're supposed to work on the outside. You're supposed to be who God created you to be, but we're not to present ourselves as the worst-looking people we possibly can, um, I don't think. I mean, that's just not me. But if I work more on the outside than the inside, something's wrong. I mean, we need to stop and think, you know. Even as a guy working out or whatever you're doing, are you thinking more about the outside than the inside? Even are you thinking more about the outside of your house? Are you thinking more about the outside of, of you? Are you thinking about more even of your business than than what you are on the inside? Because in the end, I mean, that's not going to matter as much. And God's so good to say if we seek him first, if we seek first the kingdom of God, that's what we've been talking about, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these other things will follow. And as we've learned about the kingdom, we realize, gosh, I want to live in the kingdom all the time anyway, so I'm a fool not to seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added. And they'll be too much. Because God is a God of more than enough. He always is. You know what? There can even be rules um, that are church rules that are not of God. And we're not to submit, the Bible doesn't say submit to man-made church rules. It says to submit to God. It says for us to submit our plans to God in Proverbs 16. It says for us to submit our lives to God, our bodies to God in Romans 12. It talks about giving ourselves, putting ourselves under the word, under God. And that's such a great place to be because that just means that when your life isn't lining up with the Word, you can say, well, you know what? I'm submitted to the Word, so what that means is my life has to come up to that level. I'm not going to bring the Word down to the level of my life and explain away the verses in the Bible. I'm going to just keep believing that my life will reach the level of John 10.10, that I have life and life abundant, that that I'll have the peace that passes all understanding. I'm believing that for my life. Because I'm submitted to his word. You know, I, there's scripture that says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And a lot of people just say, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But that's not going to really work unless you first submit yourselves then to God. Submitting ourselves to God, not to church rules. I was thinking about one of the things, one of the church um, kind of, rules that we're not to submit to, I would call a religious spirit. And a religious spirit is all about what you do and what you don't do, and it's all about the outside. And Jesus called that being a whitewashed tomb when it's all about the outside and not about the inside. It's all about how often you go. And we can get caught up in that too. Oh, here comes the Easter people. They parked in my face. my gosh, the Easter people. Christmas. Well, okay, yeah, the non-relatives are in the wrong places and I can't get the best video of my child who is baby Jesus who is having a crying fit right now being carried by a 12-year-old. And I'm so mad this is not working out. You know, we, we just, what? We get these religious spirits And you know what I really have a problem with is intellectualism. You know, we get 
people who sometimes get so exalted in what they're learning and what they've read that they they give these sermons and and you listen and all you can think of is that man is brilliant and and they want you to think that and the whole sermon is about that man is so brilliant and you know you don't know what he said you have no idea what he said and he doesn't even know what he says anymore because it's beyond him and then after you know two days later someone will say well what did they talk about and you're like i don't really know but it was brilliant but if it doesn't change your life, I mean, that, that's what makes the difference is the Word, just the Word. I think it's so interesting who Jesus chose to be his disciples. Fishermen. Fishermen. Mostly. Simple people. People that would actually follow after him and believe him. And they had their problems too. I mean, they were, you know, all for, okay, who's going to be number one here in the group? I mean, they had their own human nature. And he's like, okay, sure, yeah, whoever lays their life down. And they were like, oh, whoa, Nelly. <laughs> and see, we're, we're the same way. You know, who wants to be first in the kingdom of God, whoever's last on earth? Oh, really, who wants to be more like Jesus, whoever's a servant? That's the other thing. A religious spirit never wants to be a servant, you know? We, we want to go up the ranks just like we do in the world, like, I should not be asked to clean up after the children's program. I should be an usher by now. And we don't tell anybody, but, you know, then we kind of lie about it. We're like, oh, sure, I'll do that. And then we're driving home with our family. Can you believe he asked me to clean, me, clean up after the children's program? I should be an usher by now. And then your wife goes, yeah, what is up with that? Oh. <laughs> Besides, we need to get home. I mean, we, we have a luncheon to go to, and you're going to clean up after the children's program. Well, I'm just not going to show up. Yeah, that, that would be good. And your kids are in the back seat going, I want to be just like Daddy. <laughs> Religious spirits are like, you know, if you have tattoos, you're evil. I mean, and I'm talking about church. And, and that's changing, but I'm talking about church. We're not supposed to look at someone and go, you're different than me, so you can't be in this group. We have so much to learn from so many people. We can learn so much. A religious spirit also, eventually, love is removed. And see, love is always sacrificial. That's the thing about love. Love is what never fails, but it's always sacrificial. And a religious spirit wants to be served instead of being the servant, you know? And so even in, like, a church relationship, if you have a, a pastor in certain churches that love starts to be removed from their life and they start to feel entitled to this and entitled to that, you're going to have a mess. You're going to have a religious spirit operating. You're going to have a dictatorship. Well, it's the same way with a husband and wife. The wife is to love. Well, actually, the wife is to respect her husband and the husband is to love his wife as, Christ loved the church. Well, what did Christ do for the church? He suffered and died. I mean, that meant he didn't get his own way. He, it wasn't all about him. It was all about loving and loving being sacrificial. And so it's just interesting. I've so often seen in, in, in husband and wife relationships that when we do what the Bible says, it works. Wives, respect your husbands. 
Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And it works because Christ gave to the church. He, he thought of the church first before him. It was all about loving the church. And then he was so much loved. And, and, and again, Lacey and I are not perfect, but that is what works in our relationship. He, he suffers, and I respect him for it. Y'all know I'm joking. (laughs) But he loves me, and I know he loves me. So when he lays down the law, I know it's all about whatever is best for me. So it's easy for me to be like, you know what, kids? I don't understand it either. Let's just go with it because it's Dad, and Dad said it, and he loves us. And they're all like, uh, you know. But they're they're 13, so they do that. but, um, But I don't. And, you know, and again, we're not perfect. We are not perfect, and I'm not holding up our relationship, but I'm just saying two very selfish people can live together in a lot of harmony, and it works. I mean, what he says works. And that's not to give anybody any kind of, um, you know, guilt, because I don't think guilt is from God, guilt and shame and, You know, I must have done the wrong thing. If you feel like you did the wrong thing, confess it to God, and then his mercies are new every morning. I was telling the kids that on the way to church this morning, wasn't I, Lace? I was like, you know what? God's mercies are new every morning. Lamentations 3, what what is it, verse 20? And I need his mercies every morning. And so we confess it, and then God can take us from this place and move us to this better place. And it has nothing to do with you or anything else other than you just said, God, take me, change my life. And he will. Because he's good. But there's a lot of church laws, a lot of religious spirits, and that doesn't work. And that's why, you know, husbands coming across as a dictator, well, that's what the Bible says. You just do whatever I say. Well, if it's all about him and it's not about loving his wife, it's hard for her to do what you say. Because you have you in mind and not her, not the children, and it messes it all up. And I'm just speaking the truth to you all, and I'm also going to reinforce that with saying that, you know, we again, we are not perfect. We're going through a really hard time because Lacey's had to take over so much of mom's responsibility because I'm in so much pain. But I know he loves me, and I love him, and I don't care if he sneezes like he's going to die. It's going to be okay. Don't submit to the world's rules. Instead of choosing to assert your rights, choose to stop the fight. Be a peacemaker. The Lord on the Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be the sons of God. You know, we can all be God's children, but children don't inherit all the promises until they are sons. After a while, you know, it's like you you have a child and and a little boy, and you're like, oh, this is my child, this is my child. And I remember the first day, you know, Storm is six, and I remember the first day that I said, this is my son. And, and, And it was just, it's weightier. It's like this child is growing up. This child will inherit all that I can give him. This is my child. And God feels the same way, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called sons and daughters, not, not, not just children, not just immature children running out there like, woo, we're going to heaven, but we don't know anything. We're submitting to the world's rules. We need to all be looking at ourselves. You know, assert the right 
instead of asserting your rights, stop the fight. You may have a right to be mad. You may have a right to put that person in timeout, which is what we love to do to people. Yeah, yeah, you're forgiven, but we kind of put them in timeout for a while. It's where we're just a little bit cold. We don't quite call them as much. And if someone says something about them, good, we kind of go, hmm. You know how petty that is? Blessed are the peacemakers. We should be rushing to make peace first. We should be running to have that privilege. We should be rushing to apologize. Really, in any given situation, if you have two Christians that are at, um, not at peace with one another, it's usually the most mature one that apologizes. I tell Lacey that all the time because I'm always, always the first one to apologize. It's usually my fault, but I'm always. You know, I got an email recently for someone who really hurt me and really hurt me. And it was kind of one of those things where I kept trying to make peace and um, it, it wasn't really anything I did. It was more just, the way that this person was continuing to handle some things. And it just hurt me, hurt me like, you know, hurt. I mean, people that are close to you can hurt you and you think, gosh, I can't believe that person hurt me so badly. I mean, even David wrote in the book of Psalms, you know, the one that was my brother is the one that has just hurt my heart the worst, you know. And... This person seems to, uh, and again, I, you know, I hope this isn't judgmental, but I want y'all to have real life situations. They, they seem to kind of like to be with people who have things going on, and so I just published a book, you know. And so she emailed me. Well, I haven't heard from her in years, you know, and so it's my human nature to be like, I need to put her in timeout and not email her for about a couple of weeks. Because I'm so busy and I'm so important. I wasn't waiting for that email. I was waiting for that email four years ago. But, you know, that flashed through my mind of like, tell me those things don't flash through your mind. And God was like, why are you being so petty? You're supposed to be like me. You don't have a right to be offended. You don't have a right to be mad. And you don't have a right to judge her. You owe her nothing but to love her. And she owes you nothing but to love you. And if she doesn't do it, it's between me and her. And you know, that's the best feeling when you realize that you're not submitting to the world's rules of like, I have a right to be mad. And you email back and you give love and concern about that person. And then you realize, woo, I'm free. I am free from being petty. And it's a great feeling. It's Christ that makes us free. The the Bible says to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's what we're doing in this class, getting to know the truth so that we can be free from all the entanglements of the world and live in the kingdom of God. I need to let you all go, but we'll we'll leave off there. I've got so much more to share But y'all let me share real. I don't know how any other way to share. I just don't. And so please let me just share real. And if I offended anybody, I'm sorry. But um, you can talk to me afterwards.
<clears throat> and I can pray over you for being so judgmental. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask you to fill us with your love. Lord, push out all of our unselfishness, our, our selfishness of it's all about me, you know, I'm, I'm tired, or I want to do this, or this day is about me. Father, we give you this day, and we say thank you for this day. We delight in you in this day. We thank you that Psalm 37 says, Delight yourselves in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I just pray, Father God, right now, that you come into us, Holy Spirit, that you do those amazing things that only you can do. That our faith, our eyes, our focus go onto your word, which says that all things are possible with you. And that you change us. Make us more loving. And Lord Jesus, I know that most of it is up to us, just for us to say, Lord, I am needy. I need you. I want to be more like you. I want to live in the kingdom of heaven. I want all that you have for me. I want too much so that I can give too much. We just praise you, Father, for all that you will continue to do as this word is alive, that you will continue to do in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWhitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.